This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we start with a production of the Screen Guild Theater entitled True to Life. Leading Hollywood stars performed adaptations of popular motion pictures on this show. Fees the actors would normally charge were donated to the Motion Picture Relief Fund in order to support the creation and maintenance of the Motion Picture Country Home for Retired Actors. A 1940 magazine noted that the Screen Guild Theater was the only sponsored program on the air which gives all of its profits to charity. The Screen Guild Theater had a long run, beginning January 8th of 1939, lasts for 14 seasons and 527 episodes. Actors on the series, very familiar names. Ethel Barrymore, Lionel Barrymore, Ingrid Bergman, Humphrey Bogart, Gary Cooper, Bing Crosby, and on and on the list goes. The series began with a variety format with mixed success. The program increasingly came to rely on adaptations of major motion pictures, presenting a considerable challenge to writers who had to compress the narrative into 22 minutes. Over its run, the Screen Guild Theater earned a total of over $5 million for the Motion Picture Relief Fund. And now, on with the show. presents the Screen Guild Players. The Lady Esther Screen Guild play tonight is Paramount Pictures' hilarious story, True to Life. And ladies and gentlemen, we're sorry Dick Powell can't be with us tonight. In his place, playing the part of Link Ferris... You'll have to put up with Cary Grant. <laughs> Who, me? Uh, excuse me, please. And uh, we're sorry Joan Leslie can't be here either. In her place, you'll have to put up with Linda Darnell. Who, me? Uh, excuse me, please. Miss Darnell plays the part of Bonnie Porter, and Victor Moore is her father. Who, me? That's right, Victor. And William Demarest is Uncle Jake. Some Uncle Jake. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that will give you an idea. The Lady Esther Screen Guild Players in True to Life. Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Yes, a lot of people listen to Kitty Farmer. Only this time, the sponsor listens too. And then... Who writes that hogwash? 
Who writes that tripe? Uh, Link Ferris and Fletch Marvin. Their tops, Mr. Huggins, get $1,000 a week apiece. For that squill? I tell you, Kitty Farmer isn't real anymore. She's phony. She's counterfeit. Wait, jumping Jeremiah, she isn't even human. Oh, I'm sure the boys can make her human, Mr. Huggins. They're not just ordinary writers, you know. Writers like Fletch and Link are born. That's the trouble. Well, they better get a new idea fast, or I'll take Kitty Farmer off the air. Ah, uh, what's the use of kidding ourselves, Fletch? Huggins is right. We're written dry. Link, you know we need... What? A nice hot bath and a shave. Mm. And then... Lights, drinks, beautiful women. Uh, Who knows? Somebody might say something. Yeah, it won't be anything we can use. Maybe that's our trouble, a thousand bucks a week. We've lost the common touch. We ought to get around and talk to real people. We might find the kitty farmer we're looking for. That's what I said. Let's go hunting. Not your kind of hunting. Hey, where's my hat? I'm going out for a walk. And so Link Ferris is walking in the rain. Walking, thinking not even watching where he goes, until finally he stops at Antone's Diner, where pretty young Bonnie Porter works. Now remember, his clothes are soaking wet, and there's a two-day stubble of beard on his chin. He doesn't look much like a thousand a week. In fact, to Bonnie's practiced eye, he looks like someone who might need help. Um, anything special on that menu you like? Oh, this looks pretty good. Roast beef, French fried potatoes, and coffee. <laughs> the 60-cent blue plate. Uh-huh. That's, uh... Sixty cents. Well, sure. Uh, oh, you mean... Uh, <laughs> I get it. You think I haven't got sixty cents, huh? Oh, you're way off, sister. I'm loaded. I've got enough right here to... to, to... Hey, hey, that's funny. Anything wrong? <laughs> yeah. Looks as if I forgot my wallet. I don't suppose you'd cash a check, would you? Oh, um, Mr. Kapopoulos, gentleman here wants to cash a check. Tell them we got a deal with the bank. They don't sell hamburgers. We don't cash no checks. <laughs> Roast beef, mister? <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm not as hungry as I thought. Just, uh, just coffee, please. Oh, how about a hamburger? It's only a quarter. No, no, thanks. Just coffee. Roast beef, rare and juicy, hey, coming up. Wait a minute. I didn't order that. I... Oh, you can pay me back sometime. Yeah, but, but why should you do that for me? Because you're hungry. Uh... Oh. Besides, it's a kind of a hobby of mine, you see. I kind of like to fill in the blank spaces. Oh, yes. Hey, give me that again. Well, some people put mustaches on pictures. Uh-huh. Some collect matchbooks. Well, I like to read people's faces and make up stories about them. Oh, I see. You, uh, you made up any about me? Oh, sure. You're just having tuck luck. Tuck, tuck... Tough luck right now. (laughs) Your trouble is that you want to make a lot of money, a hundred dollars a week. So you get mad all the time and quit your job. Say, uh, how come you work here? I mean, a girl like you. Well, because my kid brother wants to be a doctor, my Uh father works in a bakery, and mom can use the extra money, and besides, I don't mind working here. Why? Oh, nothing. I I was just thinking, that's all. Anybody home? Hey, Bonnie, you sure your family won't mind? After all, bringing a stranger home. Oh, you're I... not a stranger anymore. Come on. 
Hello, everybody. Oh, Say, this party. is Mr. Ferris. Oh. Uh, Mom. How do you do? How do you do? My brother, Clem. Hi. Hello. And that's Mom's brother, Uncle Jake. Uh, how are you? Hey, where's Pop? Oh, down in the cellar, as usual. Well, I'll go get him. Make yourself at home, Mr. Ferris. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sit down, young man. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Porter. Pop's inventing down in the cellar. When he's not at the bakery, he's an inventor. Hmm, some inventor. Well, that's Uncle Jake. He and Pop don't get along. They don't even talk to each other. And sometimes hey, they... Here he is, Mr. Ferris. This is Pop. Oh, glad to meet you, my boy. Any friend of Barney's is a friend of... What's the matter, anything wrong? Well, no, but that, uh, that, uh... Oh, this gas mask I'm wearing. Oh, it's one of my inventions. Some invention. Mom, you make him keep his nose out of this. My nose ain't in it. His nose is. He looks a lot better with that gas mask on. Pop invents a lot of things, Mr. Ferris. Synthetic rubber, too. Oh, really? Synthetic rubber, huh? Mr. Porter, are you doing anything with it? Well, not exactly. I can't get any raw materials. Well, uh, what raw materials do you need? Well, rubber. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, uh, where are you from, Mr. Ferris? Uh, Me? Yes, where are you from? Oh, uh, oh, well, uh, all over. I mean... Oh, uh... well, Mom, I thought perhaps... Well, you see, Mr. Ferris came into the diner, and he was hungry, and, well, I thought maybe he could stay with us till he finds a job. Uh, a what? Well, the way you followed me around, I knew you didn't have a place to stay. Ain't we got enough mouths to feed? Mom, why don't your brother feed his own big mouth? He knows I'm a sick man. Sick my foot. He eats like a horse. A healthy one. Now, Pop, you needn't raise your voice. There's a stranger in the house. Uh, what do you do, Mr. Ferris? Uh, me? Oh, almost anything. No, I mean, what's your line of work? Oh, well, uh, sort of general line, you know. Uh, just a tramp. <laughs> yeah, look who's talking. Mrs. Porter, I, uh, yeah? I'm afraid Bonnie's got things mixed up. You see, uh, well, I've got a place. Sure I... you have, my boy, right here with us. We mean it, Mr. Ferris. Well, uh, well, thanks, but if I did, I, uh, I mean, uh... Maybe you let me pay board, huh? Yeah, nothing doing, son. I'm glad to help you. I'm glad to. John D. Rockefeller. Some Rockefeller. <laughs> well, at least I got a heart, which is more than some people I know. Well, I'm sure Mr. Ferris won't be any trouble. Be swell if he'd stay. I could get some blood. Yeah, blood? <laughs> Just a little, for my oh. microscope. <laughs> Clem's the one that's going to be a doctor. Oh, I see. Well, you won't let that bother you. Oh, no, not at all. Well, you'll stay then? Yeah, thanks, but look, uh, would you tell your brother that the Red Cross already has an option on me? Would it do that? <laughs> Kidding, Link, that family's a gold mine. I wrote them into the script just the way you said, and Huggins really went for it big. Yeah. He said they sounded so real. Fletch, you didn't tell him they are a real family, did you? Don't be a dope. Uh, if he knew they were real, he'd say they sounded phony. Yeah, well, what worries me? Suppose they hear the show. They're apt to recognize themselves. Well, just keep them from hearing it. Uh, do something to the radios. Uh, yeah, if I can. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, what kind of a dame is this, Kitty? I mean, uh, Bonnie. Oh, Bonnie. Oh, uh... Oh, she's very ordinary. Just the uh, run-of-the-mill type, you know. Oh. Well, I certainly appreciate what you're doing, old boy. Burying yourself with a bunch like that. Oh, that's all right, Fletch. I'm sure you do the same in my place. Say, I'd better get back. They think I'm out looking for a job. Yeah, well, remember, I can't write that script unless you bring me some dope every night. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I'll dig it up and you uh, dish it out. Huh? <laughs> what a setup. What a setup. <laughs> uh, excuse me, Mr. Fletcher. Yeah. You must have dropped this picture here out of your pocket, sir. Who is it, Mabel? Uh, oh, no, sir. It says on here from Bonnie. Bonnie. Let me see that. Just a run-of-the-mill type, he said. Sure is pretty, ain't she? 
And he was making such a sacrifice. Such a... Gabe, you know what this story needs? Uh, no, sir. Complications, Gabe. It needs a few complications. Well, uh, Mr. Ferris, uh, you found a job yet? Oh, no, not yet, Mrs. Pauly, but don't you worry, I'm looking. Uh-huh. Some looker. Uncle Jake, please. Say, you know there might be a job open down at the bakery, and Link's got a good pair of shoulders on him. Pop means he's got a well-developed clavicle. Clavicle, schlamicle. I'd rather listen to the radio. <laughs> hey, Link, you know, maybe Mom's right. You can't just keep on waiting. You've got to start something. I mean... Sudsy Suds bring you their amusing new series, That Farmer Family. First, the genial uh, Pardon me, farmer please. Who... What's the idea? I wanted to listen. Oh, uh, yeah, well, I, uh, I, uh... Oh, hiccups, see? Always get them this time of the day. Hiccups, see? Diaphragm oh. is irritated. Me too. Why did he turn off that radio? Well, uh, well, you see, that's the only way I can stop these hiccups. Quiet. Got to have absolute quiet, eh? That's funny. There's no relation between the diaphragm and... I, uh, there's another thing, too. Uh, Mrs. Porter, yeah. I know you think it's inconsiderate of me not taking any old job, but I'm looking for something more in my line. Hmm. I didn't know you had a line. Uh, say, why can't I turn on that radio? Oh, sure, sure. I've got a line. I, uh, I, uh, uh... Music. That's my line. Music. Hmm? You listen. Why, Link, I didn't know you played. My golly, that's not bad. I used to play the melodium once. Some melodium. Well, it was better than yours, Heather. Hey, both of you, please. Oh, dear. Oh, Clem, will you see who it is? Oh, it's always me, Hester. Oh, Link, Link, will you hold it a minute? Someone's at the front door. Hey, Bonnie, it's a man. I hope I'm not intruding, good people. Say, that's not a man, that's Link! A... Uh, Fletcher Marvin is my name. It's an emergency. May I use your phone, please? Well, well of course. It's, it's right over there. Thank you, miss. Hello, operator. Uh, get me Plaza 7124. I'm sorry to bother you folks. I had a little accident. Oh, anybody hurt? I can handle a splint job or a fracture. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, gee, too bad. Hello. Hello, Gabe. Uh, this is Marvin. Yes, I'm, I'm out in Sunnyside. A car broke down on Jackson Street. Yeah, a fella came out of an alley, stuck a gun in my ribs. Oh, uh, no, no, I, I tackled him, but he got away. <laughs> yeah. uh, will you uh, bring the other car over and pick me up? Yes, Jackson and Fremont. Yes, I'll go over right now. Fine. Goodbye. Oh, Mr. Marvin, you you sure you're all right? Oh, yes, I'm I'm quite all right. I, I know I've put you to a lot of trouble, and I'm sorry to run off like this, but uh, you'll hear from me. Good night. Hey, we'll hear from him. You know what? I think he meant that. You know what? I know he did. <laughs> Mr. Marvin, dozens of roses. Oh, look, and an orchid corsage. It's for me, Bonnie, a ten-pound box of candy. Oh, now, ain't that Mr. Marvin nice? He he said he'd be here at eight sharp, Mom. He said he'd he'd like to take me for a drive. But, Bonnie, you haven't eaten a thing tonight. Oh, sorry, Mom. I'm just not hungry. Uh, Bonnie doesn't like home cookie anymore, not since she's been dining with that Marvin lug. Well, now, Link, 
Maybe if a certain other party didn't have to rush out every oh, night. Pop! Some pop. <laughs> well, anyway, I got some use around here. I found out why that radio hasn't been working. Uh, you did? Yeah, the aerial wire was broken right outside your window, Link. I fixed it. Now, listen. Well, uh, you, uh, you think we should? I mean, while we're eating? Uh... Now, oh, sure. Entertainment aids the digestive juices. Oh, yeah. Well, excuse me. I think I'll... Quiet. We're listening. You'll remember that Kitty Farmer has been very much taken with the rich young man she's recently met. At the moment, we find him on a soft summer evening driving along in his car. Where are you taking me? To Lover's Lane. Where's that? Anywhere. Everywhere. Wherever a boy and girl can whisper, I love you. That's funny. Huh? What's funny? Why? I don't know. It it almost seems as though I've I've heard those same words before. Some words. Turn it off. Oh, I want to hear this. I've got to keep one on the wheel. What are you stopping for? To kiss your darling. No. No, don't. Don't. Please. Please stop. Stop. Oh, oh dear, I I feel as if I can tell you what they're going to say next before they even say it. Hmm. Oh, that's all. I've heard enough. Mrs. Porter, I'm sure you'll excuse me. I'm not hungry anymore. Not hungry anymore. No, he's not hungry. Must be catching. Some catch. <laughs> Excuse me, everybody, please. Now, now, Bonnie, now sit down. Where on earth are you going? Who, me? Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm going to talk to Link about his appetite. Esther has presented Act One of True to Life, starring Victor Moore, William Demarest, Linda Darnell, and Cary Grant. Lady Esther presents the second act of True to Life, starring Linda Darnell as Bonnie Porter, Cary Grant as Link Ferris, Victor Moore as Pop Porter, and William Demarest as Uncle Jake. to talk to Link about his appetite, she said, but she must have had a lot more on her mind because now it's several hours later and Bonnie's sitting with Link on a bench by the lake (laughs) and by golly, still talking. Suppose I did go out with Fletch Marvin. He's a big radio executive and, well, I I thought maybe he might give you a job playing or something. What, that wolf? You (laughs) should talk. You're out chasing every night. Oh, go on. I've told you a thousand times. I don't go chasing. Well, you disappear every night. And I don't think it's just for fresh air. Uh-uh, you're jumping to conclusions. You're filling in the blank spaces again, huh? Um, maybe I... Maybe I shouldn't have tried to help you in the first place. Maybe Mom was right. I, I feel like I want to cry. Uh, oh, uh, do you? It's all sort of... Sort of dry inside. Oh, well, go ahead and cry if it'll make you feel better. I wouldn't give you the satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, don't cry. I know. I, I don't even know why you're wasting time with me. Why don't you go to her? Because there is no her. There's no one, Bonnie, only you. Only you. Yeah. Are you satisfied you made me say it, hmm? Link, you... You love me? Well, don't act so surprised. Oh, Link. Oh, Link. Family's all asleep by now. Well, do I have to kiss them, too? <laughs> well, no, darling, but we've got to tell them. Oh, come on, let's go home and wake them up. 
Link in the parlor. I'll call them down and... So you're back at last. Pop, you're all up? We've been waiting for you, Bonnie, and you and Mr. Ferris. Uh, uh, what's wrong? Mr. Ferris, we're just everyday folks. What is all this? They heard the rest of that radio show after you left. Uncle Jake started making telephone calls. Yes, Mr. Ferris. This is Mr. Mammal. He's a lawyer. We're suing Sudsy Suds and the advertising company for $100,000. Now, how do you like that, Mr. Ferris? What in the world are you talking about? Well, uh, look, Bonnie, whatever happens, I want you to know that I meant every word I said tonight. Bonnie, him and Fletcher Marvin, they're friends, and they've been spying on us, putting everything we said and did on the radio, that crazy farmer family. Well, that's, that's ridiculous. It isn't true. It is true, all right. Mr. Mammal here checked everything. We got a perfect case. Oh, Link. Link, you were broken. I, I tried no, to help you. No, I didn't you. say I was broke. You said it. Bonnie, we didn't intend to hurt you. It was just that after we got started, we... Yeah, you made me an old crackpot with crazy inventions. What about me? Me a nagging old hand. Yeah, but Mrs. Porter, don't you see? Yeah, I saw right through you from the beginning, young man. I always said you were no good. Well, Connie, is that the way you feel about it? Well, how do you think I should feel? Lying to me, putting Fletch up to making love oh, to no, me. Oh, no, that's not true. Making me think you were in love with me, proposing to me just to get material for a cheap radio program. Well, if you believe that... Why, I believe you're the lowest form of animal life. I... Go on, get out! <laughs> me for a hundred thousand. I paid my good money for writers, creators, not a couple of peeping toms. Oh, it was a good idea, all right, Mr. Huggins. It just backfired, that's all. Backfired? You're fired. Both of you. You'll never work again while I... Wait a minute, Mr. Huggins. Wait a minute. I think I've got it. Look, we let the public in. Tell them the truth. Tell them our story is true to life. Tell them there's a farmer family. That the real name is Porter. Everything they've heard is true. Say, wait a minute. That is an idea. They'll win their case, but it'll be worth a hundred thousand in publicity. What do you say, Link? Say, if they'll win their case, let's go. Uh, where'll I put this goat, Mr. Porter? Uh, goat? Over there, over there in the dog pen with them two pigs from Canada. Right. Hey, Mr. Porter, what invention are you working on now? Oh, invention? Oh, invisible paint. Oh. Yeah, uh, you paint something with it, makes it invisible. Wonderful. Well, How's it coming? Well, I'm having a little trouble. I mixed up a batch of it, and I put it in a can, I painted the can with it, and now I can't find it. <laughs> Porter residence. And that's Pop Porter himself. Hiya, Pop. Hiya. Hiya. I get 10 cents royalty for every one of them sights here. Hey, Pop. Come in here quick. Here, come in, Mom. Excuse me, folks. What's the matter? Bonnie's leaving. She's going to live at the YWCA. Bonnie, you wouldn't. Oh, yes, I would. You made a freak show out of this house. You're suing because they made a lot of screwballs out of us on that, on that radio show. Well, we're acting like a lot of screwballs. It was a cheap, dirty trick for them to put us on the air. Yes, Uncle Jake, and it's just as cheap for us to try and cash in on it. Well, you can do it without me. Bonnie. I'll, I'll phone you, Mom. I know what's eating her. She's in love with one of them radio writers. Must be that nice Mr. Fletcher Marvin. No, I'll bet it's Link. Well, we got a good case without her. No, we haven't. Has he gone crazy? Barney's right. That farmer program hasn't hurt us none. People coming to see us, sending us gifts, and me a foreman at the bakery now with my picture on every bread wrapper. <laughs> what are we 
you got to be mad about? If he thinks we're passing up a chance like this... Jake, shut up. Mom, you better phone Bonnie and tell her to come home. Now, I'll get to work on that that love situation. Love situation? Hmm. What do you know about love? Hmm. I got me a few exemptions, didn't I? Now, you understand what's happening, folks? We're broadcasting right from the Porter home, but... Pop Porter is the only one who knows. The microphone is hidden in a bowl of flowers on the dining room table, and I'm announcing from the cellar. Pop has brought Link and Fletch to the house, and now he's waiting for my signal, three raps on the floor, to let him know he's on the air. Now, stand by, everybody. Huggins said this was to be a conference to settle the suit. Now he doesn't even show up. I'd like to know why we were brought here. I certainly didn't invite you. Hey. What was that? That means we're on the... Uh, uh, that's a new invention of mine. New kind of mousetrap. Must have caught three to once. Oh, Pop, if you... <laughs> Pop, if you don't mind. Now, look, Bonnie. You know you're in love with one of these boys. And 30 million people are waiting for you to say which one. Now, which is it, Bonnie? Well, Bonnie, if there's any chance you'll forgive me, I want to tell you I meant everything I ever said to you. Like what, Link? Uh, well, like, uh, like when I said I loved her. Hooray! Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> oh, no, we're not. I wouldn't marry him if he were the last man on earth. Well, Fletch, I guess that means she's proposing to you. To me? Sure. You got anything to say? Yeah, well, uh, I... It's, it's a very great honor, of course, but, uh... Well, Bonnie, Bonnie, you want to be fair to yourself. You see, I'm, a, I'm sort of a, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I mean... He means he's a two-timing playboy. That's what he means. Uh, am I arguing with you? Look, uh, not that Bonnie and I wouldn't be happy, but, well, that is, oh, I couldn't... Oh, go on. I'll leave you two lovebirds to coo it over. I'll be out of... Oh, no, no, Link. Link, wait. Yeah, she's right, pal. Wait a minute. Yeah, come back here, Link. Now, sit down. Sit down. All right. Bonnie, let's stop this pretending. Will you marry me or not? Oh, well, if, if you don't mind taking a girl who's practically been turned down... <laughs> Darling. Whoopee, she's going to marry Link. I hope all you folks listening in are as happy as I am. Listening in? What folks? Bonnie, we've all been on the air. Hey, look, there's a microphone in with those flowers. So that's it, Link. Some more of your tricks. Why, you lying, cheating, double-crossing... Hey, put down that vase! Ow! Now, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, Bonnie. Link didn't know I was the only one who knew. You were? Oh, oh, Link. Oh. Link, darling. Oh, oh, get some water, pop some spirits of ammonia. Get something. Yeah, get something. Well, don't just stand there. Somebody hurry up and do something, please. Oh, me. Oh, my. Oh, oh Link. Honey. Oh, darling, are you, are you all right? Oh, yeah, I think so. What hit me? I, I huh? guess those flowers just went to your head. <laughs> uh, some flowers. <laughs> some head. Thank you all for your delightful performances, and our special thanks to you, Cary Grant and Linda Darnell, 
for having stepped in on a moment's notice to play your parts here tonight. Well, Mr. Bradley, both Carrie and myself were only too happy to fill in. You know, every one of us considers it a privilege to be invited to appear with the Lady Esther Screen Guild players, for we all know the wonderful work being done by the Motion Picture Relief Fund Country House and Clinic, a work that benefits so substantially from these weekly programs. Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present Gentleman Jim... It will star Ward Bond, Grant Withers, Alexis Smith, and Errol Flynn. Be sure to listen. Harry Grant can currently be seen in Warner Brothers, Destination Tokyo. Linda Darnell is now working in the 20th Century Fox production, Sweet and Lowdown. Victor Moore appeared through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, producers of Lady in the Dark. William Demarest is currently being seen in The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, a Paramount production. Truman Bradley for Lady Esther saying, Good night, this is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Archie the bartender at Duffy's Tavern to answer the phone and chat with the owner of the bar. This program was first aired in 1951. It's Duffy's Tavern, brought to you transcribed by the National Broadcasting Company, with Charlie Catter as Finnegan, Hazel Sherman as Miss Duffy, Pat's Pichon at the piano and starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. When Irish eyes are smiling, sure it's like the morning spring. And the light of the Irish laughter, you can hear the angels sing. Quiet, everybody. Hello, Duffy's Tavern, where do you late me to eat? Archie, the man you're speaking, Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. I guess you heard the good news about Rhinelander McGurk, huh? Yep, born a poor boy in humble surroundings, came up the hard way, nobody to give him a helping hand, and yet he winds up being electrocuted in one of the top prisons of the country. <laughs> yeah, it just shows that we're living in a true democracy, Duffy. <clears throat> was his family proud? Well, uh, strangely enough, uh, some of them was uh, rather shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Three of them were sitting right alongside of him. <laughs> it was the first time in history, instead of using an electric chair, the prison had to use a sofa. <laughs> huh? Well, I'm busy cleaning up the joint, you know. It was quite a mess after the going-away party that we had for McGurk. Well, no, uh, McGurk himself wasn't here. Uh, we just drank to him, you know, in absentia. Yeah. Yeah, we just kept drinking toasts and... Till the lights dimmed twice, and <laughs> then everybody cheered and went home. <clears throat> well, look, I gotta hang up now, Duffy. As I say, I'm working hard getting the place cleaned up. Oh yes, I'm working very hard. Okay, Fats, you shuffle and I'll deal. <laughs> Excuse me. What? What, Duffy? What do you mean I never do no work around here? I love your audacity. Who cleans out the joint? Who cooks the food? Who waits on the customers? Who does all the dirty work? I know, but who tells Fats to do it? <laughs> huh? Ah, go soak your head. Ah, that Duffy. I worked me fingers to the grindstone. What do I get? Nothing but retribution. I'm sick of it. 
Work, 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 work. Okay, Fats, I got two pairs. <laughs> Three of a kind. You win. Work, work, work. Why do I work so hard? Look at me. I'm down to a skeleton. Look at how my chest has shrank. It ain't shrank. It's just gone to pot. <laughs> Look, it just happens that I'm wearing a fat apron. Miss, Mr. Archie, if people lost wake waking... Yeah? You'd look like Man Mountain Dean. <laughs> just a minute. Are you inferring that I ain't laborious? I'm only saying you spend so much time watching the clock that when we went off daylight savings, you had to set your eyes back one hour. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, I'll prove to you that I lost weight on this job. Here, I'll show you on the weighing machine. Hey, wait a minute, Fats. Look on the back of this card. It's got me fortune. It says, today will be your lucky day. Mr. Archer, you ain't gonna believe that little card. Oh, no? See? Me luck has started already. Look, I got me penny back. What's so lucky about that? I put in a slug. <laughs> yes, sir, Fats. There's a, a time in the affairs of the tide of men when the flood of the gate leads on to fortune. <laughs> and... Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Probably the Irish sweepstake going. <clears throat> Just hope I don't get nervous in the newsreels. The Irish? Oh. Hello, Faith and Begara. Huh? Who's this? Oh. Who is it? Chin Lee. <laughs> you know, from the laundry. Uh, <clears throat> tell me, uh, what can I do for you, CL? <laughs> what? Well, that's swell. Okay, uh, well, I'll, I'll be seeing you, Flathen Bligglala. <laughs> More good luck? Yep, it's uncanny, Fats. The laundry lost me shirt. <laughs> that is good luck. Yeah, yeah, so instead of a shirt, Chin Lee's gonna give me 25 cents in cash. <laughs> 25 cents for a shirt? I told him I bought it new. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir, that fortune-telling card was right. Ain't it a funny thing the way some days is lucky and other days is jinxes? Like the time that Tim Hannigan walked under that ladder. Bad luck? Bad. That's the day that Tim Hannigan walked under that ladder. He was young, healthy, strong, full of life. And then? Three days later, they found him married. <laughs> and... Look at Rhineland and McGurk. <clears throat> you mean the guy that was electrocuted? Yeah, even he had a touch of bad luck. Uh, oh, I... Oh, hello, Finney, and how are you? Oh, I'm busy working, I... Busy working? Oh, dear, I... Yeah. Huh? I got a job for the holidays running the elevator at Macy's. Well, you're running the elevator, and how come you're here? I've been grounded. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. What happened? Your, your brain leak at high altitude? Oh, no, dude. It's all because of a slight misunderstanding. Misunderstanding, huh? Yeah, you see, dude, I thought Macy's had two basements. <laughs> but they haven't. They have now. <laughs> hmm. 
You mean... I drove that elevator 20 feet below the ground. Well, after you did that, then what did you do? Oh, don't worry. I, I kept me wits about me. You did, huh? Oh, yeah. I nonchalantly opened the door, turned to the passengers, and I said, Step up, please. <laughs> Real quick thinking, Finnegan. Tell me, how did you get this job with me? How did I get it? Uh, I had experience. You remember in Chicago at the stockyards? I used to run that outdoor elevator. Oh, and the experience helped you at Macy's, huh? No, uh, in fact, it hurt me. It got me into trouble. How? Well, in the stockyards, I got in the habit of slapping them in the rear to make them get out faster. <laughs> You did the same thing at Macy's? Yeah, yeah. Except that I was politer. You was politer, huh? Yeah. At Macy's, you wear gloves. <laughs> how diplomatic. Well, how do you... Do you like the job, or Oh, it's all right. Except that some people are so impossible. They're, they're always complaining. Like yesterday... The dame started complaining that she couldn't breathe in the elevator. Why couldn't she breathe? I had a nose caught in the door. <laughs> well, didn't she tell you that her nose was caught in the door? Yeah, but I thought she always talked that way. <laughs> thought it might be Rudy Valley's mother. Oh, what people you have to put up with. <laughs> oh, it's, well, today another dame comes in and she says, Operator, I'd like to change this skirt. So I says, Not in my elevator, you don't. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm glad you got a job, Finnegan. And by the way, today is my lucky day, too, you know. Your lucky day? How do you know? Well, I, this little card from the weighing machine, it's a lucky omen. Are you believing them lucky omens? Well, certainly, don't you? No, I don't. Dude, take my uncle, for instance. He's got two rabbit's feet, and they brought him nothing but trouble. Two rabbit's feet, and they brought him trouble? Why? Well, he can't find a pair of shoes that'll fit him. <laughs> Finnegan, tell me, why don't you go and find a mind reader and bet him that he can't? <laughs> oh, that's a good suggestion, Arch. It appeals to my sporting blood. Good. Well, I'll be seeing you. Uh, hey, hey, Miss Duffy, what's the matter with you? What are you, what are you looking so excited about? Oh, didn't you hear what just happened in our house? What? Papa was shaving and the razor slipped. This is me lucky day. <laughs> you were shaving, huh? Tell me, how's he getting along? Oh, fine, but Mama's feeling awful weak. How come your mother's feeling weak? Well, who do you think he was shaving? <laughs> Maybe I ain't so lucky after all. <clears throat> what do you mean? Well, one of them weighing machine cars, you know, says that today is going to be my lucky day. Oh, those weighing machine cars. I got on a scale the other day, and you know what the card said? In your case, it probably said, deposit another penny, please. Your 200 pounds is up. <laughs> Arch, 
Georgie, I don't weigh 200 pounds, and for your information, I have weighed as little as 110. But you was four years old at the time. <laughs> and what else did the card say? Uh, any predictions? Yeah, it said, prepare for romance. Ere the night is over, your lips will be burning. <laughs> What happened? Somebody set fire to your mustache? <laughs> Certainly not. That's why I don't believe in those cards. Before the night was over, Rodney Haybinder had proposed... Well? ...to the girl next door. Well, at least you was close. <clears throat> I should have suspected it those nights when the three of us were sitting in the hammock. Why? His feet were always in my lap. I thought, you know, I, I thought I should take what I could get. Yeah, I see. Uh, oh, Mr. Archie. Yeah, Fats. Special delivery letter for you. Let me have it. Hey, it's from Sing Sing. It's from Lineland and McGee. How do you know? Part of the envelope is singed. <laughs> Probably wrote it on his death seat. Let us take a look at it. Hey. Hey, Fats. It's his will. It says... To whom it may concern, crime don't pay. I hereby leave six million dollars to me old buddies in the New York Police Department. <laughs> and to me old pal Archie, I bequeath one half interest in me racehorse, Stumblebum. Did you hear that, Miss Duffy? I inherited a half a racehorse. I told you this was me lucky day. Oh, what else does the letter say? Well, let me see. P.S. In case I break out of this place... You'll be seeing me in person. Signed, Rhinelander McGirt. P.P.S. He didn't. <laughs> you won't. Signed, the warden. Boy, that weighing machine was right. Look at me. The, the bona fide owner of a half of a racehorse. Hey, Fats, quick. Uh, get me some sugar cubes and a bale of hay. Why? What do you mean, why? Maybe you haven't got the half that eats. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's... Oh, no, Rhinelander wouldn't do that to me, his old pal. He, he knows how I always like to look a gift horse in the mouth. Well... Gang, this calls for a real celebration. It's me lucky day. Miss Duffy, get out the champagne. Fat some music, please, while everybody drinks a toast to Archie. The half-horse racetrack tycoon. I'm afraid to love you, afraid I might like it. I'm afraid to hold you, afraid I might like it. When your lips invite me to steal a kiss or two, I'm tempted, but I never follow through. I'm afraid you'll thrill me, thrill me, then leave me. What's another heart or two to you? I just like a stranger, it's because I sense the danger. I'm afraid to love you, I'm afraid I do.
get to hold you, free it up my life. Yeah. When your lips invite me to steal a kiss or two, I'm tempted, I never follow through. I'm afraid you thrill me, thrill me, then be me. What's another heart or two to you? Just like a stranger, it's because I sense the danger. I'm afraid to love you. I'm afraid I do. The other half of that horse. The other half. Yeah, that's right. I never thought of that. Wonder who does own the other half. Well, whoever he is, I just hope he keeps up his end. <laughs> no, it costs a lot of money to keep up a horse. I wonder who it could be. Well, I don't know who the guy is, but when we put the horse on a big race, I hope that his half won't be dragging. <laughs> Mr. Archie. Hmm? Do you know anything about horse racing? Are you kidding? Fats, I was born with the smell of a saddle. <laughs> and horse flesh in my veins. I, you know, I learned to ride when I was a kid only five years old. And in fact, the rest of the kids in the neighborhood used to call me Archie the Jock. How do you spell that? They mean how do you spell it? They spell it J-O-K-E-Y, jockey. Yes, sir. Day after day, I used to race my own little pony. Hour after hour, I'd sit in a saddle till me little pants was worn thin. Did you ever win? Well, not every time, but I always managed to show. <laughs> But what am I doing wasting my words here? I better get me stable organized. Uh, Finnegan. Uh, yeah. Are you a lover of horse flesh? Well, frankly, Arch, I prefer salami. <laughs> Finnegan, I'm talking about race horses. Oh, oh, the race horses. Yeah. You know what? I own one once. How'd you ever own a race horse? Well, it was a funny thing. I was out at the racetrack one day. So this horse leans over the fence and he says, Hey, Fagan, how'd you like to buy a good horse cheap? Now, just a minute. You mean a horse leaned over the fence and talked to you? What's so strange about that? It was a very low fence. But, you know, he, he sure was a fast horse. Fast horse, huh? <clears throat> was you the jockey? No, the jockey was my sister. Your sister? Yeah. Where did your sister ever learn to ride a horse? Oh, she, you know, that uh, race track down in Florida. The race in Florida? Uh, uh, Widener Handicap? Archie, it widened her all over. <laughs> Now, stop bothering with these nonsensicals, Finnegan. I'm trying to get this table of mine organized. Now, uh, let me see here. Where can I find a groom? Believe me, it ain't easy. <laughs> I believe you. 
But I happen to be talking about a groom for me racehorse. Oh. Uh, by the way, Archie, you know, after the race, they always have a pretty girl standing in the winner's circle. Mm-hmm. So? <laughs> well, uh, maybe if your horse wins, I could stand next to him. Yeah, but how would the judges know which neck to hang the wreath on? <laughs> <laughs> Archie. There is in the back room looking at the racing form. Oh. Say, there, is it true that Arch owns one half of this horse? Yeah. And some other guy owns the other half? Well, that's right. Well, what part does the horse own? <laughs> I guess no part. This sort of thing couldn't happen if Abraham Lincoln was alive. <laughs> Hello, Duffy Tavern. Oh, it's you, Papa. Where's Lame Brain? He's in the back room looking at the racing form. What, Papa? Oh, well, that's nice. You're sending over 300 pounds of beef? All right. We'll put it in the icebox. Finnegan, fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Papa's sending over 300 pounds of beef for a party in the memory of his dear friend, Rhinelander McGurk. Uh, when it gets here, put it right in the icebox, will you? Gee, that's nice of Mr. Duffy. 300 pounds of beef. By the way... What? You sure he ain't sending over your mother? <gasps> That's for your information. Mama only weighs 298. She lost 15 pounds last summer up in Saratoga. <laughs> okay, Miss Duffy. We'll put the side of beef in the icebox, eh? Now, let me look at this racing <laughs> Wait till Archie finds out about this. Uh, shall we bring it through the back door or the front door? Huh? Well, what do you know? They're surprising me. They're bringing me little horse to the tavern. <laughs> but suppose it's too big to get through the doors. Well, that's only one thing to do. What? We can slice one piece off of one side. <laughs> These butchers. Slicing a piece off my poor little horse. I-, I got a better idea. What's that? Why don't we saw it right down the middle? <laughs> the fiends. No, no. The... I think we should leave it in one piece. At least Finnegan loves horses. And then barbecue it. <laughs> Lousy cannibal. I just hope it won't be too tough. Why are they talking tough? He's a sweet little animal. I know it. Well, if it's too tough, I suppose we can club it for a few hours. I'll report this to the CPA. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I disagree with the whole procedure. I don't think it should be clubbed at all. Nice going, Finnegan. I think we should cut it up into little pieces and make hamburgers. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Finnegan. I've been listening to this conversation. It's gone far enough. What a lousy way to treat a poor little horse. A horse? Yeah. We were talking about a side of beef. Oh. Papa's sending it down here because he's given a party in memorial of Rhineland and McGurk. Oh, oh, well, that's different. And I'm sure McGurk will appreciate it, you know. He's a great lover of roast beef. Now, uh, let me finish reading this racing form. Hey, wait a minute. Holy cat, this is me lucky day. What do you mean? Me horse, Stumblebum. He's running today. (laughs) Where, where? Down south. You know, the wealthier horses always go south for the winter. (coughs) Oh, yeah? Say, say, look, Arch. He must be a great horse. Why? The odds are a hundred to one. (laughs) Now, that 
That's an old trick, you know. They jack up the price to make the other horses overconfident. <laughs> oh, I see. Hey, who's he running against, George? Well, let's see here. Third race, Harry Boy. Slow starter, but can win. Susie Q, startled the clockers at Pimlico. Great in the stretch. Whirlwind, never looked in better shape. One last six starts. Knockout drop. Cinch to win on dry track. And stumble bum. What's it say about him? Good to his mother. <laughs> I thought this was your lucky day. It still is. Finnegan, here's two bucks. I want you to go down to Lefty's pool room and put it on me horse. Ah, uh, what would a horse be doing in a pool room? <laughs> the horse ain't in a pool room. The bookie's in the pool room. Now get going. Uh, but I... Come on, get in your stirrup. I, I just want to see if I got it straight. Okay. So I go down to lefties and shoot a game of pool with a horse named Get in Your Stirrup. No, no, Finnegan. Bet two bucks on a horse called Stumblebum. Who? That horse that you own half of. Yeah, put two bucks on his nose. Suppose you own the other half. <laughs> okay, put two bucks on that, too. <laughs> Maybe he'll back in. <laughs> this is my lucky Hi, Arch. Are you back, Finnegan? Yeah, say, Arch, are you sure you got a horse? Of course, why? Guys down the bookie joint say you got a dog. Well, maybe it's on account of he's been scratched so often they think he's got fleas. <laughs> uh, did you put down the bet? Just like you told me. Is he still 100 to 1? Oh, better than that, Arch. Better than that? Yeah, he's 200 to 1. <laughs> Four bucks at 200 to 1, that's almost $298. <laughs> hey, this is me, Lucky Day. Fats, turn on the radio quick. I want to hear the results. Okay, Lucky. <laughs> And here are the horses coming out of the paddock for the third race. Whirlwind is leading the field with Stumblebum second. Atta boy, Stumblebum, stay in there. Archie. Come on, pass that whirlwind. Archie. Come on, Stumblebum. Archie. What? The race hasn't started yet. Oh. <laughs> Just, Just a minute, folks. There seems to be some delay. Two officials are coming out on the track with a large bale of hay with 25 candles on it. They're taking it over to Stumblebum. <laughs> yes, folks, it's Stumblebum's 25th birthday. <laughs> well, you know, it's my horse's birthday. Mazel tov. <laughs> Thank you. To say the least, folks, this Stumblebum is no man of war. Ain't that wonderful? He's comparing him to the greatest horse that ever lived. And now the horses are lined up at the starting gate. And just a minute... Stumblebum seems to be down on one knee. Probably going to start from a crouching position. <laughs> it's all right, folks. He's up, up, and there they go. Out in front, it's whirlwind by two lengths. Susie Q is second by a length and a half, followed by Harry Boy, Reese Quick and Speed King. Where's Stumblebum? Stumblebum is now leaving the post. What? Well, what do you know? Stumblebum is now running away from the field. a boy, Stumblebum. Only he's running in the wrong direction. <laughs> Maybe Stumblebum is a mother. Does he have to pick a time like this? <laughs> Coming out of the quarter turn, it's whirlwind by a length. Breeze quick and speed king. Whirlwind, Stumblebum. 
of them son of them is on the rail. On a rail? Get back on the track. And there they are coming down the stretches, whirlwind by length. Hurry, boy. Breeze quick. And here comes Stumblebum. Come on, Stumblebum. Come on, Stumblebum. Come on, Stumblebum. Come on, whirlwind. again. what's the idea? I just wanted to break the monotony of <laughs> Come on, Stumblebum, make it a real lucky day for me. This Stumblebum is sensational. The way he's running, you think he was a horse. <laughs> His two orders must be mighty proud of him today. And now, as they near the finish line, it's Stumblebum by one length, Stumblebum by two lengths, three lengths, and now, flash! Stumblebum will hit the headlines in every paper in the country. What happened? He just dropped dead. <laughs> what? It's whirlwind! Holy cat! I lost the race, I lost me horse. I guess this just ain't me lucky day. Yes, folks, this is a tough break for Archie, one of the two owners of Stumblebum. You're telling me. But nothing compared to the misfortunes of the other owner of Stumblebum, who bet $500 on him. That gallant sportsman and tavern owner... Who? Patrick J. Duffy. <laughs> How do you like that? Duffy lost 500 bucks. It is me lucky day after all. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.